this. Greetings, Christian Faith Baptist Church disciples, saints of the Most High God. We welcome you again to our Bible study and our time of fellowship, diving into the Word of God. We welcome um, those who have already joined on. As uh, mentioned earlier, we are continuing our study in 1 John chapter 5. Uh, if there is anyone joining us for the very first time, we welcome you. Glad that you could join us in our, our study together. Uh, every once in a while, I'll rec see a name I don't recognize, and uh, we welcome you. Uh, thanks for joining on. Or maybe you're just using somebody else's phone, but what, <laughs> but we do acknowledge the or computer, but we do uh, welcome you to our, our time together. Let, let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise with thanksgiving in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Again, we remember our brothers and sisters around the world that don't have an opportunity like this. Uh, that are meeting in, in secret or uh, don't have access to scripture, but Lord, they're, nonetheless, they are pursuing after you as are we. And so, Father, we lift them up tonight. Father, we thank you again uh, for this time together. We pray that your word would fall on good ground and bring forth increase in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, <clears throat> watching the, the news. Um, concerning what is going on in Israel. It's always a reminder, A, that there will be wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. Um, no one knows the day or the hour, yet it keeps us cognizant of biblical prophecy and has our minds uh, to the place of watching and praying. And so we keep that keep that in mind and so we pray um, that uh, God's will will be done um, but also that we would watch the signs and just know that God is in control and, and history is unfolding once again before us what this means how we apply it uh, we have to just have a discerning heart and voice as we see what is unfolding around the nation Let's go to First uh, John chapter 5. Uh, we are going to pick up at verse 7. Uh, but before I do that, I'm going to go ahead tonight and read verses 13 through the end of the chapter. So First John chapter 5, beginning at 13, and then we'll go back to verse 7. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ, who is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Amen. So that is at the end of chapter 5. And before we go back to uh, verse 7, there's several different sections in that last part, uh, I will say that um, verses 13 through 15 is one section, 16 and 17 is another section, then 18 to the end is another section. So again, before we go back to verse 7, I want us to just talk this briefly 
uh, about anything just in the reading or the hearing of that scripture that may have stuck out in your mind that you may have just as you heard the scripture, you may have said, hmm, I didn't think about that. So are there anything that popped into your mind as the scripture was read? One thing, two things, three things. Whatever we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Amen. So talking that area of prayer, we know, and we'll yes. see that word, uh, we know several times a little bit later. Anything else? It reassures us. It reassures us that everything is possible through God and Jesus Christ. Amen. All things are possible. Amen. It says, if you see any brother or sister commit mm. a sin that does not lead to death, how do we know that? What leads ah. to lead to death? Yeah, good, good, good. We'll, we'll get to that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. So let, let's go back to verse uh, 7, and I'm sure there are, are maybe a few others, but we want to go back to 7. The first, we had went through um, up to verse 6, and we ended at talking about, uh, I'll just read verse 6 again. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. And so we looked at different ways of the application of this water and blood. Is it baptism crucif and crucifixion? Is it talking about his his birth, the whole birthing process? Um, but for sure, we know it's really talking about uh, the humanity. One part they're talking about is the humanity of Christ, that Jesus came in the flesh and that his sacrifice was sufficient for our salvation. And so that's one of the things I just want to highlight. Then in verse 7 is where we're going to pick up. Um, it's, it reads, there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and, and then verse 8, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these and the three are in agreement. Okay, I'm going to pause there for a moment because if you have a different translation, it may have something else as part of the end of chapter, not chapter, rather verse seven. If you have a probably a King James version or a new King James version, it will have something else at the end of verse seven. Does anybody have King James or New King James? I have the New King James. And it says that uh it's the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So can you read read the entirety of verse seven? Okay, he says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Okay, mm -hmm. and I, I wanted to make sure that I brought that out because this is, you know, as we read different trans, um, different translations, there are some variances, and this will be a good opportunity uh, for us to just get into, <laughs> get into that just a little bit. Um, so one of the things that when you read, if you have a, a study Bible in particular, as you read various scriptures, you'll see sometimes there's letters within the text and it will refer you to the bottom or to the middle of your passage. And I would uh, encourage you, um, don't always overlook that because it can add some uh, important information. Same thing with uh, a study Bible will make elaborate on some of those differences or notes. And so when you look at what is called uh, text criticism, I'll say that again. This is an example of text criticism. What is text criticism? Mm -hmm. Basically, it's part of the study uh, or looking at the scripture and the, the purpose of looking at all these texts um, of where the Bible text came from. Um, so we have a biblical text from years 700 AD 
all the way back to probably 190 AD. And those are probably some of the earliest test texts. So the further you go back, it's be closer to what would be considered the, the best or the earliest translation. So just give you an example. So if you're doing a research paper or study, uh, if you were to use uh, Wikipedia as your reference, uh, that's probably not your, <laughs> that's probably not a good primary so so source. Okay. But sometimes it may have things in there that's referring back to a primary source. And so what they do is just look at trying to get back to the primary source as much as possible. And so let me just read you this footnote uh, that is in the NIV Bible. First uh, John 5, 8, late manuscripts of the Vulgate, and Vulgate is the Latin translation of the scripture. Let me let me pause there. Are, are y'all with me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just... <laughs> And I just want us to have a good understanding of how our Bible came into being and just some of the variances so we don't gloss over it. So late manuscripts of the Vulgate testify, um, add testify in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these are one. And there are three that testify on earth, and, the, and then it says um, that latter part that's added is not found in any of the Greek manuscripts before the 14th century. So around 1300 uh, AD is when that additional thing is found. It is added in here just because it's been in the canon or the agreement of the translators, but that's why it's not included because it's not in the earliest translation of um, scripture. So. That, I just wanted to add that just for your information, so it's not that translating translators are trying to eliminate any part of the Word of God, or they're trying to add extra things. It's just where they're getting the text from, and which which one of those information is helpful for us understanding what is there. Any questions on that? It's just a little bit more information as we uh, get into the Word of God. Going back to the Word of God is authoritative. All scripture is God breathed. We can the scripture is trustworthy, but I just want you to have an idea because many of you will have a note in your text, and I didn't want to gloss over it as we looked at that particular text. So it, it's important in our study of the word of God. So let's go back to that. It says in verse seven, there are three that testify, and I'll go on to the verse eight, the spirit, the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. So as we looked already at verse seven and the various uh, transla not translations and differences, um, verse eight, the spirit, the water, and the blood. As we look at that particular verse, what kind of things stand out to your mind? We have the spirit, the water, and the blood. The spirit who is, of course, third person of the Godhead uh, mm -hmm. who testifies. The water, often again, we whether that looks at not only baptism, but the life of Christ, the, the blood, his crucifixion, all that we have seen that is testified and to agree to what God has in store for us. Uh, one of the other things um, that remember, as we didn't talk about it a lot, that this letter perhaps is written to the believers, many who were John was in Ephesus. And if you remember from Acts, um, there were believers, there were individuals that said, we don't even, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So one of the things could be happening here is that there was an element that you know, was negating the presence of the Holy Spirit. So he's um, making sure that they understand the unity of what God is doing, how God is at work, and that the Spirit of God is at work testifying uh, to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Remember back in verse 5, it, it reads, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So it's testifying back to who Jesus is. And even in this here, uh, I kind of hinted at it last week, 
we see that the Trinity is uh, is being stated just by the presence of the, the Spirit of God, the person of Jesus Christ, and of course, God, who the Father who sent his Son. So while the word Trinity is not used, we can see elements of that within this short uh, element of Scripture, especially when we get down to verse 9. It says, we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. And so we can affirm that. And where do we see that kind of testimony? We saw it at his baptism, at Jesus' baptism. What did, uh, what did the voice from heaven declare? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So right there you had the father, the son. And of course, then the dove came and that was the presence of the what? The Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So again, we saw the evidence of the, the triune God, God just in that moment. So this is God's testimony at, at his baptism, again, at his transfiguration, mm -hmm. and of course, at his resurrection. Okay. Any questions so far? Any thoughts? Pastor, this um, in my study Bible, and it's going over just what you said, but you said, and Jesus Christ was revealed as God's son by his baptism in water and by his shedding his blood on the cross. Amen. Amen. And so that that is that testimony of, and this is the certainty. Remember, John threw out, and he'll get to it a little bit later again. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And there are witnesses, of course, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So over going, we can know of a certainty that Jesus Christ is who he says that he is. He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And if we can believe human testimony, right? Mm -hmm. Certainly, God who does not lie, we can believe what he said about his son. Verse, verse 10, whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. We have heard this over and over again. We don't know exactly what was going on who, of, of among the believers who John was writing to, uh, but there was seems to be um, this this faction going on about you know what are they saying about Jesus as opposed to what you know was he really God was he the Son of God and this is again the affirmation this is part of our doctrine we believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and that he is the only true and living Son of God who is the Savior of the world and what else does it say in verse? 10 about believing what God says. In the second part of verse 10, we see a phrase that John has used a few times. Somebody read verse 10 again. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. Okay. Once again, we've seen it probably three or four times as John is writing to his believers. Again, if you say that you haven't sinned, you're making God a liar. Now he says again, if you don't believe that God has sent his only begotten son, that Jesus is the only way of, of salvation, then again, you're saying that God is a liar. And that's not, uh, again, he's encouraging them. No, we accept the truth about Jesus, his son, because God is trustworthy. Amen. And this is the testimony. What's the testimony? What does it say is the testimony? That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. God has given us what? Eternal, eternal life. And this, and this life, life is 
in his son. So by now we should be, or hopefully we are thoroughly convinced that it's through Jesus Christ we have eternal life and that this life only comes through his son, <laughs> Jesus the Christ. And a part of that is that inner witness of the spirit that was talked about back in chapter two. Remember uh, the writer or the apostle stated that, you know, you don't need anyone to teach you these things because you have this anointing. It's the anointing of the spirit, that inner witness mm -hmm. of the spirit that whereby we can know and believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, the savior of the world, God's only begotten son. So verses 11 and 12, the testimony of God, he has given us eternal life. Do we have eternal life? Yes, God yeah. has yeah. given us. Where does that life come from? That life is in his son. So, um, Deacon Brown, since you were, the, I think, the last one to read, please read verse 12, because this is what I would call the bottom line. Verse 12, NIV. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Did y'all get that? That should mm -hmm. be an amen. Whoever has the Son has life. Has life. We have life, and that what true life is, is found in the Son, who is Jesus Christ. Mm. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. What about these other millions and billions of people that are walking around that are biologically alive, but do not have Zoe, true life, bios, biological life? but don't have eternal spiritual life comes from God alone. Does not have the son of God. And what I will go back to, and that's why I wanted to get to the bottom line, because the answer is whoever has the son yes. has life. Mm -hmm. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And this is, you use the word um, Zoe, which is what is used the word of life and especially uh, eternal life in particular, how it's used in, in John. And that's, and I was going to say, that is a bold proclamation mm -hmm. that John declares that there, and it's just one of the things that our belief is rooted and grounded in our faith in Christ <laughs> Jesus, unapologetically. He says it differently in John 14, 6, where he says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This very, in one sense, exclusive to those who are in Christ, but it's inclusive for all those that would believe in the Son, Jesus, the Christ. Thank you so much. So, to answer the question, what about all those? Um, if anyone does not have the son of, of God, Jesus Christ in their life, they don't really have true Zoe or true eternal life. They may be existing, but not the life, eternal life that is promised by God. Pretty bold statement. Hey, hey, Pastor. Pastor. Go ahead. I don't have to only look at other people. I remember how it was with me before I knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I know there was no life, no real life in me. And I had no real life until I got saved and met Jesus Christ. Which you bring up an excellent point. Because it's not only about us and we can rejoice and look at this. I know I have life and that life is in the sun, but then we have to add that along with our commission. And mm -hmm. that is to go and make disciples of all nations because mm -hmm. there are many who are in need of the life-saving message 
of redemption, salvation, to have the true life, which is found in the Son, Jesus the Christ. Anyone else? Anything else? But that's a good point. What about all the others? I, I believe verse 12, which is the bottom line, um, kind of directs that. So what does, what does that mean for us as believers? How do we grapple with that? How do we wrestle with that, knowing that we have the truth? What are we, what are we supposed to do with that? Testify and spread the gospel. There we go. Others. There we go. And support those, and those who need that do. So <laughs> there are agencies, whether you look at World Vision, whether you look at Lot Carey, whether you look at various ministries uh, that do world world evangelization within our local church at Christian Faith Baptist Church, other local churches, just praying for one another that those who don't know Christ will come to know him and have eternal life. You know, Pastor, I, I wonder about the Jewish people. Some Jewish people believe in Jesus and some doesn't. And I wonder how, how do they make it? The one that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, how do they make it? I, I I would I would almost take away the designation of Jewish people, um, only because people, let's say people is people, mm -hmm. people are people, whatever background, um, it's still the same thing applies. The one who has the son has life. The one who does not have the son does not have life. Now it goes into the broader question of what is God going to do about his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Israel. That's one aspect. But still, even in the uh, Old Testament prophets, it still says the one who sins will die. And everyone needs to accept uh, this Messiah, uh, for this Jesus, uh, the Savior. So I would look at it from a more broad perspective is that, yes, God has a plan for Israel, yes. but he has a plan for humanity, for all to come to know uh, him and be in relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. <clears throat> Let's, any other questions and comments? So if you have the son, you have life. And our responsibility then is to proclaim the good no news of Jesus Christ that others may come to know him as Lord and as Savior. Okay, let's go to the last section. And if you have, um, depending on your uh, Bible or translation, you know, sometimes there's various titles um, of different sections. And so in my Bible, um, and I have the I'm reading from the NIV this time. This last section that we read earlier is called Concluding Affirmations. <laughs> Concluding Affirmations. That's how it's labeled. And that's, um, you know, even before I was looking at a different one, it's really, that's kind of the theme of these last this last section. So as I mentioned in the outset, there's, Verses 13 through 15, we're going to look at that as a whole, then 16 and 17, then 18 through 21. So what does he say, verse 13? Well, we've heard this before, but just, just look at verse 13. What is the purpose of his writing to these believers, to his dear children, to his beloved? Mm -hmm. To encourage Okay, to encourage. They might know that they have eternal life. Yes. Okay. Point of emphasis, that they may know, that they may perceive, that they may understand, they may grasp. So this is written that you may know beyond the shadow of a, God, a doubt that they have <laughs> eternal life. What else? This verse is 13 through, 13 through 15. Let's dig to see what he says. This is why I'm writing to you. One, so you will know that you, will, that you have eternal life. What else? Mm 
And that you will continue to believe in the Son of God. Okay. Let's look up or go down to verse 14. What's another thing that we have? That we ask anything according to his will. We are confident. Okay, that's the word I want to hear. Confidence. confidence. Mm -hmm. We know this is the confidence we have. We have an approach. We can, we as his children can boldly go before our Abba Father. We can go there with assuredness that we belong to him so that when we sing blessed assurance, assurance. Jesus, Jesus is, is mine. So we have that confidence in our relationship with God. We know that we have eternal life. We have confidence that we can approach the throne of God, approach our Father. We have that relationship. And as someone started to say, what that else do we know in this confidence? That he hears us. Okay. Let's, let's go right before that. If we ask anything according to his will. Yeah, we don't want to, we, we definitely don't want to skip over that part. If we ask yeah. anything according, according to his will, his so there's a clarifier <laughs> or a caveat or kind of lets us know it fits within this framework, we ask anything according to his yeah. will. Mm -hmm. How do we know the will of God? Through the word of God. Thank you. Daddy. Through the word of God. Daddy. Yeah. So if if we are praying for the salvation of souls, is that according to his will? Yes. 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 If we are praying that uh, the heart of our understanding will be open. Is that praying according to his will? Yes. Uh, yes. We are praying that the spirit of, of wisdom and understanding and revelation of Jesus Christ, if we're praying that his kingdom will come and his will be done, if we're praying for, that the captives will be set free. So those are the things. If we're praying according to his will, what's the promise? He will hear us. He will hear us. He, he will hear us. us. Hear we can be prayer. assured that God hears our prayers and according to his will. We have God's attention. And as, as if when we God hears us praying according to his will, it's as if God is saying, okay, they, they get it now. They understand. They understand my heart. I, 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 I want to be able to bless them because they're, they're in sync with what, excuse me, what I, my plan is and so, you know, we who are parents, you know, we are pleased if some, if one of our children asks for something that's beneficial rather than something excessive uh, out of, you know, I, I want the newest, I don't even know what the newest gaming system is, but, you know, that that's not in the plan. But when we ask for things that are in God's plan, he delights to hear and to bless and to honor that. Um, so whatever we ask, according to his will, what else does he say? Verse 15. This is where he goes back to, and we know that he hears us. He hears us. Got that. What else? We know that we, we have. have. We know that we have. Whatever we ask. ask. Yeah. Whatever we ask. Of him. That last part of verse 15, we know, we know that, we, that we, what we have, have, we have, what we ask of him. <clears throat> what you think about that? Desire of him. What's that? Or what is desired of him. Okay. We know <laughs> that we have. What we asked yeah. of him. Yeah. And the psalmist puts us if we trust in the Lord with all our hearts, he will give us the mm -hmm. desires of our heart. But that means he will give us what to want so that we will be in the will of God. Not just I want this, I want that, but in accordance mm -hmm. with the will, will of God, mm -hmm. according to the word of God. 
that's where the desires of our hearts are guaranteed to be answered in our prayers. Amen. We have them. Amen. That's faith, isn't it? Yes. yes. To yes. believe that we have them. Faith is the substance of it's hopeful. things hoped for, the Things not seen. We have them. I think the challenge, the challenge is so often to determine what are my desires versus what God's desires are. And that's where the discernment of God's word and discernment of the Holy Spirit comes in to know what is the will of God versus what is what I'm conjured up in my own mind to want and to desire to happen. And and one of the things that's again for me anyway, going back to the the connections that I often apply to some of the songs that I sing, draw me nearer, nearer, precious Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer to Thy precious bleeding side. Amen. But then part of the, that the the chorus is till my will is lost. lost in, in thine. thine. I am thine, O Lord. And so part of that is that surrender, taking up our cross daily, dying to self, and understanding what is it that God even wants me to pray for and to believe for and to ask for and, and to even in advance by faith, knowing that he's going to give the desires of our heart. Uh, it's it's That's why a lot of people say, it's already done because it's already done in Christ Jesus and how it gets unfolded and revealed the revelation. Um, we can only, not only we can turn back to scripture and, and look at all the promises of God um, mm -hmm. to people like Abraham who believed God at 75 years old, but his son wasn't born until he was a hundred. So, you know, we don't know what the timing is, but we knew that God is faithful. So we have them by faith and trust them. So this is a, again, concluding affirmation. We know this. Anything else? Verse 16 through 17. Okay, let me ask the question. I got to have a chance to glance at 16 and 17. So this is a, I will call it pop-up quiz. You ready for the pop-up quiz? Yeah, uh, you don't even have to do this closed book. So here's this scenario: What should I do if I see a brother or sister commit a sin? A, gossip. B, judge them. C, if you can't beat them, join them. Or D, pray. 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 Y'all are good. Y'all are good. Amen. Did you, did you hear? I intentionally. So, if you see a brother or sister commit a sin, no, we don't. <laughs> that was a trick question. <laughs> when somebody's going to pick C, <laughs> Join in with them. No, we pray. So we don't gossip. We don't mm -hmm. enter into judgment or condemnation. And there could have been other, there can be other things that could be added in there. But we first order of business is that we pray. Also, does, not, does not lead to death. I'm sorry. That does not lead to death. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that one. So that's the first <laughs> one that we should pray. Then there's another part of that. Okay, let's go to the next. Uh, still in verse 16, mm -hmm. that we should pray that God will give them life. Nice. And so that's, that's why it's important. And that's why it's important to know the word so that we can pray the word. And another scripture says. And the Lord said, remind me of my words. Mm. So when remind we honor God's word and we pray again, and that's 
when we pray, we know we should not should. We can have some scriptures that like Ephesians chapter one, there's a beautiful prayer there that we can pray for uh, one another or Ephesians chapter three. There's some things in there that we can pray for one another. So we pray that they will experience life. And then it goes on to clarify. I refer to those who sin does not lead to death. Mm-hmm. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. Okay. What is sin that leads to or does not lead to death? Before we continue with that, let me read down at verse 17. So it couches everything. All wrongdoing is sin. That's right. And there is sin that does not lead to death. So all wrongdoing is sin. It's it's a transgression of God's perfect desire and will. And so he sets it up of the seriousness uh, of what sin is all about. So all wrongdoing is sin. So in this passage, it has been and will continue to be debated what exactly is he talking about or referring to there is a sin that leads to death and there's a sin that does not lead to death what do you think that that may be the sin that does not lead to death well we know that all have sinned and are short of the glory of god okay we know that part What else do we know? We all know? We all know sin where death has been involved. Okay. But then there's sin that is deliberate. Oh, we're, get, we're getting there. Okay. And then there's a reference to Matthew 12, 31. Therefore, I'll tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, yes. but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks the word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Yes. So, so would that be blasphemy? Is that, is that, what, is that what Brother Lamont is saying? Blasphemy. Yes, against God. And with, yes. So what here? Well, um, go ahead. Excuse me. I was going to say the commentary in my book says that uh, it's, uh, it says such a sin could be any premeditated or unconfessed sin that causes the Lord to determine to end the believer's life. And and you you mentioned something very particular and the believers. What? Life, life. Okay, so, and and that's that's important because there's a several things that are going on in here. So, a sin that does not lead to death. Guess what? There's hope because we've learned from First John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is what faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So as long as we are living and breathing, there is hope. No one is too far from God that cannot be restored. So this is the hope of restoration. So if we find a brother, and remember he's saying a brother or sister who commits a sin, pray that God will give them life. Mm-hmm. That sin that does not lead to death. They have an opportunity for restoration. And remember over and over again in this letter, there's a challenge that true believers do not continue in sin. So there's always that opportunity because of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that their lives would be turned around. So one of those aspects is, is that that sin that does not lead to that death or separation because of their behavior. So one of the examples uh, I think it was Deacon Teasley mentioned was 
some would say that this is an example of that sin that leads to death would be like Ananias and Sapphira. Yes. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Well, Ananias did. Then she came in later on, told the same lie, and they dropped dead on the spot. So could it be that that discipline, um, uh, which what some would say that that disciplinary action that God can judge sin in that manner? Mm -hmm. So if they're dead, <laughs> can't pray about that part because they're already gone. Does doesn't mean that they are lost for eternity, but that may be part of the the judgment that sin is that serious. So another example uh, in. First Corinthians 11, the, the mm -hmm. scriptures that talk about communion, where it says, let a man or let a person examine themselves. And this is why so many are sick and weak and sickly among you and some have died. And so is that an example of the discipline that has happened because of, of disobedience? That's a hard thing for us to, to grapple with. And so that's, so you can't necessarily pray about that because they've already received their, their judgment at that time. So one of the things we also have to do is eliminate what this does not mean. Mm -hmm. It does not mean that we don't pray for unbelievers. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that is not what this is indicated. Indicate. Of course, we pray for those that know the know the Lord. We just said that there we have life in Christ Jesus, and we want others to know. What about those that don't know that they would hear the good news of the gospel? And so, is it the as it was mentioned, this sin that leads to death, meaning that blasphemy? And what is this blasphemy to the point where an unrepentant heart? Yes never repents and turns to the Lord. Um, that the person, excuse me, I'm sorry. So that, so that person, th so there's always hope, but always. if in their dying breath, they are mm -hmm. still resistant to the redemption power of Jesus Christ and reject the saving grace of Christ and deny um, the saving work of the whole, the saving work of Christ through the Spirit, that could be what he's talking about. Mm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Somebody's about to say something. I was going to say because the word does says that no man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. So if there's that re continued rejection of the work of the Holy Spirit, there's no chance of salvation because salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit to bring us to that point. Yeah. So this. This, and the reason why I wanted to pause here because this is a this is a hard one because there's this this there's a count this what I said before these affirmations but we also have to look at the seriousness of what it means to live for the Lord that we want to present ourselves before the Lord in in truth and in righteousness trusting in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Let me quickly go through these, this last one, um, and we'll maybe repeat some of this on next week, but verses 18 through 21. And, and this is kind of, I'll just hit it rapid fire, and, and I'll conclude with this on next week as well. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin, and I mentioned that earlier. Here over and over again, the word we know. We've heard it earlier. We know anyone born of God does not continue in sin. What else do we know? That anyone that we know that we are kept safe and secure in Christ. This is all in verse 18. What else do we know? That the evil one cannot harm us. And if this is this last few verses is almost a summary of what he's been talking about this whole letter. Because each of those, like, for example, anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Well, go back to chapter three and we'll see what he says about it. We are safe and secure in Christ. Go back earlier in chapter five, as well as chapter four. The evil one cannot harm them. What do we know about that? Chapter four, greater is he that is in 
me or in us than he that is in the world. Verse 19, we know what? We are children of God. Go back to chapter three. What kind of love is this that we could be called the children of God? It does not yet appear what we shall be. We know that. That's the kind of love that God has poured out in us. We also know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know this, but we also know, going back to, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Verse 20. What else do we know? The son of God has come and has given us understanding. 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 Where does that understanding come from? Through the spirit of God. Through the revelation of the spirit, the revelation of Christ Jesus through the spirit of God. What else do we know? That Christ is the true God and he is the one who is eternal life. That he is the true savior, the Messiah. What else do we know? Verse 21. It's kind of an keep, odd ending. Keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves idols. from idols. And as you look at that, it's, again, going back to the truth versus the lie. Anything that is does not follow, fall under the truth is a lie, is falsehood, and it, it tends towards idolatry. Anything that exalts itself over against God is idolatry. Stay away from that, but cling to the true and living God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to stop there. Thanks for um, accommodating these extra few moments. We are going to continue in our study of John, but we'll, we'll look at John, Second uh, John and Third John. So next week, look at Second John and Third John. There are a lot of parallels between the two, uh, these two uh, letters, and so we will. I'll try to look at them together. So next week, second and third John. Amen. 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 Well, praise God uh, for another night to study.